Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello, and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Hawker. Greg, are you excited to watch the bowl season? Yeah, I am. I don't I don't really know who's, uh, who's playing for what team. I mean, this is probably unlike any bowl season we've seen up to this point. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, like last year, we got a glimpse of it, and I, I well, I would say more than a glimpse, but just with the with the portal and the number of people that are in it, I mean, how do you how how, how do certain teams field a roster? Field a team. And how do and how do we pick these games? I don't know, but we're gonna try. That's for dang sure. Pick all <laughs> the Big Twelve schools. That's that is the answer. Maybe. Pick the school whose starting quarterback didn't transfer. I don't know. <laughs> we we will see. Oh man, I am I'm very excited for bowl season. I think we kind of talked about this last week, but it's gonna be it's gonna be good. You're gonna get to see some seniors play play their last games. You're gonna see uh, some young players get some some playing time. Um, you're gonna see some teams with players that you've never even seen before. Maybe even some walk-ons. But it's, <laughs> it's gonna be exciting no matter no matter what happens. Well, um, Greg, I don't I don't. Well, to our listeners, Greg and I were talking before we started recording, and we didn't really see anybody anybody's name that we really wanted to talk about, enter the transfer portal or sign. But there have definitely been some teams active in signing players. Specifically, Arizona State has been um, very active in the portal signing players. They've, they've lost quite a few, but um, they've definitely signed more so far than they've lost to the portal. And then on the other hand uh, – Big 12 native, I guess you could say. Kansas State has been losing lots and lots of players to the portal. So definitely something to keep an eye on and something that we will be talking more about uh, definitely in the spring when the portal starts to starts to settle down quite a bit. Yeah, the – so here are – as of – this is this – is, not not great. This is not great data because this is two days old and um, the, this thing is changing very rapidly. But at the current moment, I won't read off every school, but the the top top three or four or five schools that have been getting hurt by the portal. Uh, Cincinnati, as of Sunday, has 24 portal entries. Kansas which is State, which is over. It's almost a it's almost a third of your roster because you think you have what 85. 85 yeah, if, if scholarships. You if you don't count walk-ons, yeah, that's a third of your roster. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Kansas State has 18 players, uh, many of those being significant departures. Uh, Iowa State has 13 entries. Uh, and then TCU, Oklahoma, and UCF. Oh, and Texas Tech were all tied at 12. Again, this is from Sunday. Uh, and then the fewest uh, at the current moment, Kansas. As of Sunday, only had two players in the portal. So shout out to Kansas, whatever they have going on up there. Um, Baylor had five, which is somewhat surprising considering how crappy of a year they had. And then Oklahoma State had six. 
I know for a fact they have eight or nine now um, because a handful of guys announced they were entering the portal either Monday or uh, today being Tuesday, but not the freshest data out there for you, but just an idea of where, and then any, any school I didn't mention lies somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be definitely interesting to see how it all shakes out, who leaves, who commits to different places, but we've already seen, I think across all of FBS, we've seen, as of right now, 141 commitments. So still over 90% of the portal um, is still out there, uncommitted anywhere. So definitely be interesting to see what happens. There will be there will be a lot a lot going on in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's um, crazy too because of just the timing of when dead period starts, I believe, December 18th is what I heard, which is – is that Sunday – or next Monday. I believe that that's is next, Monday. next Monday. So that's I'm I don't really quite understand the rules with that one. I, I think it's uh I think I think if you're gonna enter the portal or if you're a fan of a team and you're looking to see all right who's gonna enter the portal, if they are not in there as of December eighteenth, it's somewhat safe to assume, not a hundred percent, but it's probably safe to assume those players are staying. Now, what I don't get is if schools can make contact with guys in the portal after the 18th. I don't think that's what the dead period is. So I don't think I think players can still enter after the 18th. And I, I believe it's they can. The, por- the portal is open until the first or second week of January. But schools cannot contact any player that that includes transfer portal players and high high school players who but, are also. But I'm like, can can they commit the transfer they, portal guys? They can. I think that they can commit, but I don't think that they can have any contact. So I don't know. How, I was thinking yeah. about how that works. I don't. I don't. I don't either. Because how can you, you know, a week, a weekend of dead, you know, say, say it's a couple of days after Christmas and you know, you made your decision, but you can't talk to the coach and you have such a short window to do it in. Especially a lot of these programs are. I mean, this is such a rapid process. If you're in the market for a quarterback and your top choice commits, you are immediately going to choice number two and then choice number three and so so on down the list. And so I'm like one commitment triggers more offers and triggers more commitments. And it's just a domino effect. And so I'm like, if you can't really contact, I, I, I don't know. I just all I know is I don't envy the scouts and the assistant coaches that are probably going to even during the dead period when they can't contact portal guys going to be putting in hours of work. Um, shout out to and them. travel and, and travel. travel. Yeah. Just talk about a brutal job. That's, yeah. that's tough. The grueling part of coaching, I believe. Um, and especially now with the transfer portal, it makes everything a little bit more difficult when you have to recruit your own dang players to stay. But that's besides the point. Greg and I have our own thoughts on the transfer portal and what it's done to college football in general, but <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox. Okay, Greg, what do you say we start talking about some of these games? So Greg and I are going to only talk about the first five bowl games. And then next week when we record, we'll talk about the remaining four games, which those those last four games should be should be quite a bit better, I think, than the first five. But Either way, we're still going to talk about them because we 
We love the Big 12 here. Okay, Greg. First game that we are going to talk about is I, I need a drum roll because I was slightly unprepared. Is the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl? This is Texas Tech and Cal, so we have a Big 12 versus Pac-12, the Dead Conference <laughs> game here. Texas Tech is currently favored by two and a half points. Um, Greg, we can we can we can pick these in a second, but. For our listeners here, I've prepared some notes. I was, I've been uh, slacking off a little bit, you might say, throughout this football season, but I am fully prepared today. So, Greg, you and our listeners, I'm going to run you guys through each opponent's, so non-Big 12 team, best win, worst loss, and then their their strength between one of four categories and their weakness also between those same categories. So the strengths will either be Rushing offense, rushing defense, passing defense, and passing offense. Um, and that is out of 130 teams. And you'll see some teams are not very good in in some of those categories. But for Cal, so Pac-12, we're talking here. I couldn't pick between these two wins, Greg. You'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll hear what you have to say about these two wins. They had a road win against an unranked UCLA team, 27 to 15, or a also unranked but very good Washington State team, 42 to 39 at home. I'd say mm. that those are those are those are decent decent wins that they had on their schedule. I, I would say any. Mm, I, I'll give them the Washington State game. I was going to say any any road win is a is a is a great win, and that statement still holds true, but. Um, UCLA's home crowd is non-existent in the Rose Bowl. They probably put in like 5,000 people in that stadium. You could, I mean, you, it's practically one person to a section. Um, so I don't, not to take anything away from Cal's win at UCLA, but, um, I think Washington state, they had some, they had some dudes and, and, and that quarterback of theirs that did enter the portal is one of the most highly sought after. I think his name's Cameron Ward or Cam Ward. Mm -hmm. He's one of the most highly sought after portal quarterbacks um, that is currently on the market. So um, that's a, that, that's a good win. That's a good win from them. Then, Greg, their worst loss was granted to a top 10 Oregon team, but it was 63 to 19 in Eugene. It's a, that's a that's a tough day. I do have to say Oregon. Oregon was a very good team, but not. Not putting up 20 points and then also getting 63 dropped on you is a is a rough day. That's nine touchdowns, so not a great day from Cal in that one. Um, then just going through strengths strengths and weaknesses here. That was easy for me to say. Their rushing offense was ranked 33rd in the country, and then their rushing defense was ranked 39th. So top 40 there, not too bad. But their passing defense, which in this instance. Um, the way that I measured this was passing yards allowed per game. They were ranked 127th out of 130. <laughs> I fully expect Texas Tech to take full advantage of this and throw the ball all around the field. Yep. No, I, I'm not sure if we're to the point of picking games yet. Or, well, or, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and pick them. Okay. Okay. Well, you made it easy for me. I, I was <laughs> going to pick Texas Tech anyway, but you, 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 sold me. Um, yeah, I think Texas tech is, um, is a, they're, 
their school this bowl season who's starting quarterback, running back, a couple receivers. I mean, they're they're gonna play, which is I mean, I don't find me find me ten teams that find find me ten power five teams that have their starting quarterback, starting running back, and like, you know, all their skill guys, like fully you know intact now i can't i i don't i haven't memorized text transfer portal entries but i know for a fact that taj brooks and baron morton will be out there for texas tech um and honestly that's that's all i really need uh so i'll i'll, I'll take texas tech um the worst part about this game tanner is that they play in shreveport <laughs> yeah that's the that's the worst part about this game that's a that's a crappy bull destination <laughs> i'm i'm sorry and look I don't know how I feel about Lubbock. Well, I know how I feel about Lubbock, but um, at least Texas Tech comes from Lubbock. Whereas if you're Cal and you're coming from Berkeley and you've got to go to Shreveport, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that is tough. Uh, would you say that Shreveport is a better or worse bowl destination than Boise for the Idaho Potato Bowl? Um, I oof. It depends on how you feel about weather. I yep, would, that's I would, what I was going to say. I, I would I would take Boise personally. I, it's, I mean, I've never been, but I love the mountains and I've seen pictures. It looks beautiful. And plus who, you know, blue turf. I mean, that's kind of a their famous <laughs> blue turf. Um, Shreveport, it would be more so if you just hate the cold. Um, but even even then, I, I'm not I'm not going to pretend that, Lo, that Louisiana doesn't get it's not going to be 75 degrees and sunny. I don't think so. Yep. Yep, I agree with you there. And just just for those who weren't sure, I'm definitely taking Texas Tech. I would, I we can do our locks at the end, but this this is this was enticing to me. I'm not gonna lie to you, Greg, to make my lock. <laughs> hey, actually, um, I, I I missed it by a day. It's not quite gonna be 75 degrees, 54 degrees, and a 70% chance of rain. So might get a little ugly in Shreveport. Yeah, so maybe maybe Cal's uh, run defense will be able to to lock up against Taj Brook in the Texas Tech running offense, but we'll, we'll we'll see about that one. Okay, Greg. Next we have UCF versus Georgia Tech in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Last week I said <laughs> I didn't know what this was, and I still don't know what that is. Um, what what but, is, do we know what this bowl used to be like? I'm only familiar with the bowl names from like five years ago. I don't know if we if we could find the 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 name changing history of the Gasparilla Bowl, I it would help it would help me out a lot. No, um, I'm I'm not doing this. I just looked it up. It's inspired by the legend of pirate Jose Gaspar, ye mystic crew of Gasparilla, is dedicated uh, to enriching the vitality and imagination of Tampa Bay. Okay, so we're maybe not, this is, we're not doing that. Maybe not, this is nope. new, new. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I just had to look it up because I was interested. But anyways, UCF is favored by four and a half. Georgia Tech's – did I say UCLA? I might have. I meant UCF if I said UCLA. But UCF is favored by four and a half. Georgia Tech's best win on the year was against number 17, number 17 North Carolina, 46 to 42. So pretty solid win there. Their worst loss, this was to me by far. Um, I know Georgia Tech is no powerhouse power five team, but still you can't lose to Bowling Green 38 to 27. That is an abhorrent loss. And at home too, 
that is that is awful. Hey Tanner, we don't we don't judge teams from losing to uh, inferior <laughs> opponents in the months of September as OSU fans. Yes we yes we do. Um, but Georgia Tech's best strength is definitely their rushing offense. They're ranked uh, number 15 in the country, and then their rushing defense is ranked 128th in the country. Again, still out of 130 teams, so they are the third worst in the country when it comes to defending the run. Um, to me, this screams. John Reese Plumley is going to have an RPO day on this Georgia Tech defense. Yeah, and R.J. Harvey, uh, I I believe is playing in this game. I don't know what his status is in terms of next year um, and and declaring for the draft or not, but UCF should have their way in this one. Um, I I feel confident in that four and a half line. I think you have a team that was trending in the right direction at the end of the season. Um, I mean, they won uh, three out of their last four, uh, and and the one that they ended up losing was uh, due – well, not uh, it wouldn't have been guaranteed that they would have won, but they missed it because of a, a missed extra – or they lost it because of a missed extra point. Uh, and, and that was, if you guys remember, that, that one-point loss to Texas Tech. So um, a team that was trending in the right direction – uh, versus the Georgia Tech team that's been wildly inconsistent. Like you mentioned, Tanner, <laughs> lo- losing to Bowling Green, um, getting completely lucky, and beating Miami on the road when their idiot coach decided to run the ball instead of taking a knee. Otherwise, <laughs> if he would have just taken a knee, Georgia Tech wouldn't be in a bowl game right now, <laughs> um, which is crazy to think about. Um, and then, yeah, get, getting uh, you know demolished by Clemson, to uh, nearly upsetting number one at the time, number one, Georgia. So uh, an inconsistent Georgia Tech team uh, with uh, Haynes King, former Texas A&M quarterback. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot of former Texas A&M quarterbacks out there playing for other schools. (laughs) Yes. Yes, there are. Um, And we'll get a chance to talk about Texas A&M here in a few minutes. But first, Greg, let's talk about Kansas playing UNLV in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. This this is a game that Greg and I are both familiar with. Oklahoma State played in this one last year. Um, this game is taking place in Phoenix, Arizona. So the weather will be, I'm guessing, I haven't checked the uh, checked the, the weather report for this one, but I'm 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 guessing that this this game will be uh, good on weather. It might so actually be played the, inside the Cardinals. They play it in the Diamondbacks. Oh, that's right. Which has a the ability to, to open or close the roof. Which so I before we even talk about the game, all I all I want to say is that my number one thing I'll be watching in this game will be how bad the turf is. Yep. Because knew, last last year was I was infuriated with how poor the turf was. Seeing Wisconsin and Oklahoma State players slip and slide all over the place. We were lucky no one tore up their knee last year. So. Uh, Jaden Daniels better not even step foot on that on that <laughs> turf, or he, or he may not play football. Ever again. The, the, yeah, he may be done. Um, but Greg, let's let's talk a little bit about UNLV here. So they are a member of the Mountain West Conference. Their best win of the year, to me, best win of the year by far was against Air Force, thirty-one to twenty-seven. You know me, I love I love me some Air Force. Uh, by far the, one of the most disciplined teams in the country, if not the most disciplined team. But 
On the other hand, their worst loss, to me at least, was to San Jose State, another Mountain West foe. But San Jose State is not what you think of. I don't, I don't even know what I think of when I think of San Jose State. Definitely not football, definitely not basketball. I don't even ever really think of San Jose State. But they lost uh, to them 37-31. And then, Greg, let's just – strengths and weaknesses here. So their rushing offense was ranked 39th in the country, and their pass defense was 90th, which I, I don't have their um, run defense numbers pulled up right now, but – I'm sure that Kansas is going to try to run the ball to then open up the passing game. Yep. Um, I, I could not agree more. As long as they don't have any issues slipping on the turf, uh, Kansas, I think, will will run away with this, no pun intended. Um, I will say, in these types of bowl games, when you get a, a Power 5 team against um, a Group of 5 team, it always does get a little bit hairy. I I personally, if I were a coach, um, would not want to match up against a group of five team because you have to kind of think there's an added motivation. I remember last year, a little bit of a, of a smaller bowl game, um, and definitely the teams didn't have as good of records, but Baylor facing off against Air Force last year. Tanner, that was one you saw coming from a mile away, but you have a – you have a, well, shoot, Air Force is independent, right? No, Air Force is in the Mountain West. Oh, okay. So you have a group you have a group of five team going up against a power five team, and Baylor just looked like they didn't want to be there. It was like it was like fifteen degrees. I was gonna say that, that, also, that also very much played into Air Force's favor with the weather on that game. So I, I will say I and that's not to say that Kansas isn't, you know, Kansas had a a, a really good season, their their best season since two thousand and eight. We we have stopped talking about that because we're now kind of used to the fact that Kansas is good at football again. Guys, they still haven't won a bowl game since 2008. It's been a long time. So a bowl win here and getting to nine wins would be really, really big for for that program to just keep that momentum rolling. So I will I will take Kansas, but uh, just, just, just caution that bowl upsets happen, not as often as March Madness upsets or anything like that, but – Bowl upsets happen, um, so we'll, we'll we'll see. But I like Kansas. Absolutely. I think I also failed to mention on this one that Kansas is a 12.5-point favorite here. So that, Greg, even though a Power 5 school might have an added sense of desire to win this game, um, I could see UNLV – Covering the spread in this one, but I don't necessarily see them winning. I'll definitely be taking Kansas State here. And then, Greg, we have – drum roll, please. We have West Virginia playing against North Carolina in the Dukes Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. This 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 game is going to be exciting to me. It It's going to be slightly – maybe a little bit of a home game for North Carolina. But with the schools being relatively close in the grand scheme of things – Proximity-wise, with geography, of course. If I hope you guys know your geography out there. But I, this one's going to be an interesting matchup. Currently, West Virginia is favored by five and a half points. Which, when I when you told me this line right before we started recording, I was surprised because Drake May is going to be playing in this game. As far as as far as I know, if he's not, someone please tell me. Call me an idiot. But I. I was a little bit surprised in this one, Greg. What what do you think? 
I was definitely surprised at the line. Um, this is also a virtual home game for North Carolina. Um, as it's, you said it's been playing in Charlotte, right? Yep. I believe it's at the, uh, at the, uh, Carolina Panthers stadium. Ah, okay. Here we go. Here's why West Virginia is a five and a half point favorite. Uh, Dre may opted out of the bowl game one oh, day ago. There you go. Yes, that is yesterday. That is most definitely why. So if you were, um, if you were proactive, and you were placing your bowl game bets, and you bet on West Virginia before Drake May opted out, good for you, um, because I guarantee you that line, I don't know what it was before, um, but I guarantee you it, it probably shifted a couple a couple of points. Um, so I'm not even sure who's going to play quarterback for, for North Carolina. It looks like um, Connor Harrell, who on the season has attempted six passes. So and he's a true freshman. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. Um, Greg, do you have their do you have their stats pulled up? I know this isn't great podcasting, but would you tell me uh, if Jefferson Boaz has played at all this year? Uh, yeah, he but he's only attempted one pass. Okay, so he's he's one of their quarterbacks in the transfer portal. He's a junior right now, so I was just curious to see if he was their their backup. But if uh, if you have a, a as good of a quarterback as Drake May, I that doesn't surprise me that you don't ever play any of your backups. Um, I, w- I will mention their their starting running back, assuming he's not in the portal. O- Omarion Omarion Hampton is a uh, is a true sophomore. Uh, he ran for almost just under fifteen hundred yards and fifteen touchdowns. That is so, nice. So some really good numbers there. He's averaging six point two yards a carry um, on the season, which is pretty nuts. Um, that that's up there with um, probably top five in the country, honestly. But um, so it's not like they're going to be totally inept on offense. Plus, they have Mac Brown as their coach. I'm sure they'll figure something out. But yeah, I I go 50-50 on this one. Um, th- th- this is tough. Uh, West Virginia was picked bottom three teams in the Big 12 this year, and really, really. I think overachieved for given what they uh, were expected expected to do coming into the year. Um, So for that, and for the fact that it's the big 12, I I will take West Virginia, but just full clarity, these games are so hard to predict when you don't know who's playing. I just, (laughs) I I mean, we obviously, we, we, we have confirmed Drake may is not playing, but um, when you have, you know, let's say you have two of your offensive linemen enter the portal and they're not playing. Well, that, you know, that can completely mess up, um, you know, Garrett Green and the quarterback run game and things of that nature. So um, there's over a thousand players in the portal. There's quite literally no way for us to keep track of, you know, who's 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 going from whose team. So. Right. Um, and then just a little bit on North Carolina. So their best win. I thought this season was against number 25, Miami. They won 41 to 31 in that game. And then their worst loss to me was number against number 22, NC State, their in-state rival. They lost 39 to 20 in that game. So not only was it a loss to your in-state rival, but also by 19. So pretty significant loss there. But, Greg, kind of like what, what we were talking about before, their passing offense was ranked number eighth in the country. But I 
we talked about this with Drake May sitting out of this game. That's definitely going to take a drop off there. But their rushing offense is ranked number 15 in the country. So that's another strength that I think that they will be able to take full advantage of against the West Virginia defense. And then their weakness is definitely their their rushing defense. They're ranked 86 in the country. So with all of that being said, and with taking the Drake May factor into account, I'm taking West Virginia in this one. There we go. We're, we're in full agreement so far. And then, Greg, our final game that we're going to cover um, this week, we have the – I just want to make sure I get the right bowl sponsor – the Tax Act Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas. So this will be number 20 Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M. Um, just, just a couple uh, quick stats about A&M. So their best win, I thought, was against – it wasn't a ranked win, but it was against Mississippi State. They won 51-10 to 10 in this game, and this was the – week so Jimbo Fisher coached this game and this was his last game that he coached before he was fired and then their worst loss I thought was against Miami they lost 48 to 33 in that one so not only did you lose in a non-conference battle you lost by 15 so so tough tough game there their strengths by far I thought their passing defense and their rushing defense so their passing defense was ranked 21st in the country. Their run defense was 17th in the country. So very, very stout on defense. But their biggest weakness was their run offense. So they they were ranked 87th in the country there. Currently, Greg, this uh, A&M is favored by three points. What, what are your thoughts on this bowl game? I am confused as to why A&M is still favored. I was confused why they were favored when the – Bowl games drop. I'm shocked that they're still favored because of the pure. Again, I think it is somewhat blown out of proportion because it's AM and every guy that enters the portal is like, oh my gosh, he was a former five star that they recruited and paid all this money to. But they have had a lot of starters enter the portal. Their starting quarterback entered the portal. Um, a lot of their starting defensive line has entered the portal. Um, whereas for Oklahoma State, um, and being that we, you know, that we follow them so closely as fans, um, just knowing who they've had enter the portal is not the near, not 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 near um, to the sheer size of what A&M has. Um, I think the only position group that has really taken a hit in the portal so far for Oklahoma State is the wide receiver position, and at the current moment. Still, all three of their starting wide receivers are going to play in this game. They have not entered the portal. Um, only for depth purposes have uh, has that position taken a hit. Um, so Alan Bowman will be playing as far as we as far as we know up to this point. Ollie Gordon will be playing, um, and 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 all defensive starters will be playing. I expect Oklahoma State to win this game. Um, they they've got they've got everyone back. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know how this works. Who's calling plays, Tanner, for Texas A&M? You have a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator. I mean, this is going to be no the clue. third, the third year in a row that Oklahoma State has played a head coach coaching his first game at his new school. Two years ago was Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. Last year was Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, and this year it is. Um, Mike Elko, is that his name from Duke? Yep. That is coaching at AM. So um Oklahoma State, I'm sure, is familiar with it, but also <laughs> AM fired their offensive coordinator or AM's offensive coordinator left too. So 
I don't know how this is going to work. I mean, A&M could just throw together something in the two-week bowl practice and just completely, like, come out and, like, hit Oklahoma State with the left hook they didn't see coming. But I, I just don't. I just don't know if they're going to be able to sustain four quarters of what has been a uh, an Oklahoma State team that knows exactly what they're going to do. I, I think that's a possibility, Greg, but just looking at who they've had enter enter the transfer portal, they've had one five-star and multiple, multiple four-stars on the on the defense enter the portal. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what team they're able to field in this game. Also, Greg, you were talking about the spread, how shocked you were at how Texas A&M opened as a favorite and they're still a favorite. I do have to mention that A&M opened as a four and a half point favorite and that line has shifted to three. So a point and a half over the course of a week and a half is, I would say, fairly significant. I don't think that that would require a lot of money to be placed on Oklahoma State for that line to completely shift to be favoring Oklahoma State. So Yeah, my my five dollar Oklahoma State money line bet just isn't probably going to shift it. But no, I did. Yes, I, I I did place it more than I more than I normally more than my normal fifty cent bets, Tanner. Yeah, I was going to say that's ten times more than your normal normal size bet. <laughs> that's how confident I am, and that's probably how wrong I'm going to be. Yeah, so I'm I'm also very favorable of Oklahoma State in this game, not just because we're drinking orange Kool Aid, but this this team has put together a a roller coaster of a season, but also I I just don't think I think that Ollie Gordon in this game with almost a almost a month off, I'll say three weeks off, I think he's inevitable inevitable in this game. I think over the course of the game he'll be able to tire out the AM defense. And I think that um having your quarterback, your top three wide receivers, I think you'll be able to your entire spread starting the, defense. Starting O line, I think you, at least on the offensive side of the ball, you'll be able to spread out Texas A&M's defense, and then that will open up holes for Ollie Gordon to run all over the A&M defense on. Yeah, also, I think <laughs> I, I think well, I was just gonna say having having all of your offensive linemen in this game is just is huge going up against a team that you know does have the the recruits that you know Texas does and from from the standpoint of of just your size, defensive tackles, speed on the defensive line at the defensive end position. But with a lot of those guys in the portal, I mean, going up against an Oklahoma State offensive line that may be outmatched when it when it comes to like that level of, of, of NFL talent. Um, well, I don't even if they are playing, you know, uh, uh you know, facing off against a, a raw athletic defensive line, they're not going to have the experience that the Oklahoma State offensive line has. Um, so unless they get outmatched, outcoached, as Mike Gundy would say, um, I, I, I don't see Oklahoma State losing this game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was going to say also one of my one of my coworkers who may or may not listen to this episode, um, we have a bet on this game, which the the fan of the losing team has to bring in donuts. So my, my buddy went to went to AM. Obviously I went to Oklahoma State. So we have a little friendly wager on this one that will bring in donuts for our team if with whatever team loses. So should be- I have a I have a, a high school friend that went to AM and 
<clears throat> Tanner, I've, I've already bookmarked a tweet. Um, this was completely out of context, by the way. He, um, w- To be fair, he texted me after we beat BYU and was polling for us to beat Texas because A&M, you know, doesn't want Texas to have any success. Um, and he tweeted out in the middle of the Big 12 championship game, probably having that being the first Oklahoma State game he's watched all year. All he said, Oklahoma State sucks. <laughs> Bookmarked the tweet after we found out our bowl matchup. I am ready to go fire back here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> If we beat a and <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Greg, before we go, I do want to mention that the college football awards were given out this last weekend. Obviously, um, Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman. But I, I do want to mention Oklahoma State running back Ollie Gordon won the Doak Walker Award for the nation's best running back. That's a Fun fact, that's actually the first time an Oklahoma State running back has won the award over, to be fair, also, the Doak Walker wasn't a thing when Barry Sanders was in college. But, um, yeah, so the first Oklahoma State running back to win that award. And then also, where is it at? Tavondre Sweat of Texas won the Outland Trophy, which is the most outstanding interior defensive lineman. So congratulations to both of those players. Um, There were some... Future Big 12 teams or players, excuse me, that won some awards, most specifically Travis Hunter winning the Paul Horning Award for the most versatile player in college football. So congrats congrats to those guys. Uh, Well-deserved. Definitely to Vondre Sweat. I even heard that there was a potential that he could have won. Not won the Heisman, but been in the running for the Heisman just because of how impactful of a player he is on the defensive side for Texas. Yeah, I think the last, I don't know, I I could be wrong, but from a defensive tackle standpoint, the last person that was even in that conversation that actually was in the conversation was Ndamukong Sue. And, and that man was ridiculous. And I was going to say, Devontae Sweat has had a great year, obviously, but I'm not quite sure if he's done what Ndabak and Sue did. And we all know that unless you have like one of the best years at your position group ever, unless you're a quarterback, you're not winning the Heisman. Um, the fact the last... that Marvin Harrison Jr. was in the top five of the Heisman voting is ridiculous, is ridiculous because that tells you that half these voters don't even watch the games. They just vote off preseason expectations and NFL um, mock draft status. Like, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is projected top 10 pick. Oh, he, he had a solid year. We, we put him up there. It's like there were no offense to Marvin Harrison. There are probably – you could probably name – he might be the most talented receiver in college football, but you could name a lot of guys that had a better year than him on the field statistically um, and and impactful for their teams. So absolutely. Also just wanted to mention the last defensive player to win the Heisman was Charles, Charles Woodson in 1997. Yeah. The the awards changed since then. I have to say running backs used to be able to win it back then too. And now it's, I mean, I'm not saying Ollie Gordon deserved to win the Heisman, but I, I mean, I thought he was the best skill player out of you know running back receiver um all, all all those positions i thought he was the best and should have deserved an invitation to to new york 
Um, but obviously, you know, team success is baked into that too. Um, or at least I thought it was. And then, you know, Jaden Daniels on an eight and four LSU team wins the Heisman. I'm not saying he's not deserving. I'm just saying the rules don't make any sense. I think I, uh, I listened to Josh Pate go on a rant about this um, earlier this week uh, when he was talking about the Heisman and he fully admitted that the top three, that's how he would have voted it if he had a vote. But he was just like, they don't disclose who's voting. He was like, you're telling me right now there are over 800 people that are voting for this thing. He was like, half those guys don't even want or girls or whoever don't even watch the games. Um, it's it's a ridiculous process. Um, and, and and I agree. I think I think the less the better. I think you get you get 75 to 100 people from across the sport of college football. That diverse group of people, not just ESPN talking heads that only focus on the SEC. Um, and, and I think you determine the award, the award that way. Um, and, and I think it needs to be, sorry, last thing I'll say is, is it needs to, the impact you had on, on, on your team and on winning needs to be a factor because I, I think with, again, I'll use them as an example because of it's Oklahoma state, but I think one of the reasons why Ollie Gordon should have been in, more in the conversation is there is a legitimate question does Oklahoma State even make a bowl game without Ollie Gordon? And I cannot confidently answer that as yes. I think that's one of the reasons that should kind of catapult him into that conversation. I I couldn't agree more with you, Greg. Well, other than that Heisman rant that you went on, do you have anything else you want to say to the listeners? Uh, no, that that's it. I hope Texas Tech enjoys Shreveport. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Cal enjoys it a little bit more. well anyways uh thank you all for listening if you've made it this far um please go ahead and follow us on x or also known as twitter instagram and tiktok we are at around the underscore 12 there and then you could also follow us on facebook we are around the 12 podcast on there um Honestly, guys, I hope you enjoy your bowl season. It's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. It might it might actually be bad. I'm not sure. But it will definitely be interesting nonetheless. <laughs> it, it might not quite be the same. <laughs> but I still hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah, everybody. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>